0: Well, we're in, we're in a series called God of Miracles, and uh, it's a, it's a, we're in a little tiny series in the midst of a big series on the life of Jesus, which we've been in since early February. And uh, the very first uh, week of this series, Paul did a great job talking about uh, miracles and how they still happen today. And then last week, I talked about and kind of answered the question, what do you do when you need a miracle? This past week, I decided to go to do something that I haven't done since seminary. I actually read through all 37 recorded miracles uh, that Jesus performed in the Bible. Um, and uh, it, was, it was actually a lot of fun to do that. But the, the Apostle John, just in case you're wondering if Jesus did more, he actually tells us at the very end of the book of John that Jesus did so many more things that we could never, we would not have enough volumes in the world to, to record all that he did. But as, as it relates to miracles, we only have 37 uh, recorded miracles of Jesus uh, in the New Testament. Some of the miracles have to do with Jesus displaying his power so that his followers would actually believe that he was the son of God. The very first one he did was the, turning the water into wine, and that's what that was all about. The second, um, a lot of the miracles were, were simply just acts of compassion. Jesus uh, looked at a, at a woman who, who lost her son, and, and he, she, he brought her, the son back to life because he just had compassion on her. But many of the miracles involved the faith of the people in the story. There, there were so many moments where Jesus just said, because of your faith, you've been healed. Because of your faith, this unclean spirit has been uh, cast out of, of whoever. Um, sometimes it was the faith of the person involved. Sometimes it's like when the, uh, the friends lowered their, their, their friend down in, in, in front of Jesus. A guy was paralyzed on a mat. Jesus said it was because of the friends, their faith, that, that this man was healed. However... As you read all these miracles, here's what you need to know. A miracle is never about the amount of faith that a person had. It was always about who their faith was in. It's never about the amount of faith they had. It was always about who their faith was in. Their faith was in a person. That person was Jesus. Now, so many of you here today, you need a miracle, but maybe you've heard someone say in, in your past that, you know, honestly, it's all about how much faith you have. And maybe you're wondering here today if, if you'll ever be able to, to have that miracle because you're not quite sure if you're ever going to have that much faith. Maybe someone has, has guilted you by telling you that, that you don't have enough faith. Or, or maybe you've heard a pastor say, you know, if you just had enough faith, then God would give you whatever you asked for. You know, I've actually heard people, pastors say that if you, you know, if you just had enough faith, that, that you would be healed of anything. The reason you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. Or, you know, maybe God will give you that bigger car, that newer car, that bigger house if you just had more faith. Or, or the reason that you don't have enough money is that you don't have enough faith. Listen, that's called prosperity theology, and that is bad theology. Okay? I just want you to know that. As a matter of fact, I keep this little statement in mind when, when I'm preaching about faith, and here's what it says. If your inspirational faith statement cannot be true for Christians in a third world country or in a place where Christians are being persecuted, or if it could not have been preached to the Old Testament prophets, then it cannot be theologically true. Okay, and I'm going to say that again because there's, listen, there's a lot of of, of preachers who, they don't mean it, but they say things that that just can't be true. A lot of guys on TV, they do mean it, and they, and they, it's just not good theology. And so here it is. If your inspirational faith statement cannot be true for Christians in a third world country or in a place where Christians are being persecuted or for the Old Testament prophets, then it cannot be theologically true. So it's important that we realize that it's not about how much faith you have, it's about who your faith is in. And when your faith is truly in Jesus, that means you can trust him with anything. You can trust him with you know, that moment where you need a miracle. You can trust him if, if, you know, if you need healing. You can trust him when things are not working out in a marriage. You can trust him when you're a, you're a young adult, when maybe your future is not, you know, panning out the way that you had planned. You can trust him when you're a student. When, when your faith is clearly in Jesus, you can trust him with whatever happens, with whatever the outcome may be. Now, maybe one of the most amazing moments of faith that has ever been recorded in the Bible involved a man that actually walked on water. In Matthew chapter 14, we, we read that, that Jesus and his disciples have been hanging out with a bunch of hungry people by the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus decides he wants to feed them. So in a very miraculous way, he takes five loaves of bread and two fish and supernaturally multiplies them. And he feeds, the Bible says he feeds 5,000 men. Well, we know that there were women and, and, and children there as well. So it's, it's actually possible that Jesus fed ten to 15,000 people with just those five loaves and those two fish. And um, he fed them till they couldn't eat anymore. And then after Jesus feeds everyone, he tells his disciples, he says, I want you to get in this boat. I want you to go to the other side of the sea. And he dismisses the crowds at the same time. And after everyone's gone, we read that Jesus got away by himself. He goes away to take a moment to pray. And by the time he's finished praying... The Bible says that the boat was a long way off the shore. Um, Matter of fact, the book of John, which is actually a shorter version of the same story, tells us that the disciples were about three to four miles out uh, into the Sea of Galilee. Now, I love what happens next. Jesus doesn't waste any time trying to find a boat to catch up to to them. Um, He does something supernatural. And I want to let one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, kind of uh, set the stage for you. In verse 24... Matthew writes, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, walking on the water. Now, all of Jesus's 12 disciples, they're out in the middle of the, of the Sea of Galilee. And again, they're about three to four miles offshore. And verse 25 tells us that when Jesus shows up, it's about the fourth watch of the night. That means that, that they're out there, and this story takes place somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. And Matthew tells us that their boat is being beaten by waves. The wind was against them. In other words, the disciples were out in a boat battling a pretty furious storm. One version says the boat was being tormented, tormented by the wind. Now, when you do the math, they would have been in the storm out in this boat for about nine hours. And that's a long time to battle a storm like this in a wooden fishing boat. These guys had, had already had a, a long day of doing ministry with Jesus, and now they're up trying to, to keep their boat from, from, from capsizing. And these guys, think about it, they had to be completely wiped out from this, whole, from this whole experience. And then out of nowhere, Jesus appears, and he's walking on water. Verse 26, let's pick it up. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. These guys are terrified. They they begin to to cry out in fear because now they think they're actually seeing a ghost. Now, this sounds like the beginning to a really good campfire story. You ever been in one of those, when you were younger, out in a campfire story and somebody pulls out a flashlight and they put it up to their chin and they start telling a story or, you know... Back in the day, we didn't have things like this, but I wish we did, you know, like a story like this. All right, Amy told me not to do this, but I'm doing it anyways, all right? One night, 12 guys, they're out in a boat in the middle of the night, way offshore, and then an unknown figure starts walking to them. Matter of fact, he's walking on the water, ooh, and that kind of thing. So, see, they laughed. I do love you, though and you're cute this morning. This, nah, this, this is one of those. I'm going to be in trouble for this whole thing, by the way. I just want you to know that. So. But this is some kind of like a Blair Witch paranormal, porn, uh, paranormal activity. I mean, no, and no wonder. You think about the disciples. They, they honestly thought Jesus was a ghost. And, and as these guys are losing their minds, I love how Jesus responds to them. He tells them three things. He says, guys, take heart. Simply be courageous. And then he announces who he is. He says, I am. It is I. In the Greek language, it just simply means I am. Remember when Moses was going across the burning bush, coming across that? How did Yahweh identify himself? He said, I am. And Jesus, he wanted them to know that it was him. And then he says, do not be afraid. In other words, guys, there's no need to be afraid. There's there's no need to doubt I'm the one that created the storms. I'm the one that created the waves. I'm the one that created this water. You can be courageous even when you're scared to death because I am is in control. And I love how Peter addresses Jesus. He actually calls him Lord. Verse 28, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, the, and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me! And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, most sermons that I've ever heard on this story. Always focus on Peter. Always focus on Peter getting scared, taking his eyes off of Jesus, beginning to sink, and then Jesus rebuking him for being a person of little, little faith. I mean, I think Peter normally gets a bad rap in most sermons from mo- most pastors. However, I want to look at this from a little bit of a different angle today, if, if you don't mind. And here's what I want to say about Peter, okay? Peter was the only one that got out of the boat. Think about that for a moment. I'm going to talk about the other guys in, in, in just a moment here, but, but the guys who are still in the boat. But Peter was the only one that actually thought that with Jesus' power, Jesus' presence, that all things are possible, including walking on water. So when Jesus said, get out of the boat, Peter didn't hesitate. He climbed out of the boat. Now remember, this is the middle of the night. It's pitch dark. The waves are rolling. The wind is howling. They're, they're way offshore. This is, this is not what you would call good water walking conditions. But Peter had faith. Peter had faith to get out of the boat. Now, I read a book several years ago from, from an author who, who has actually become a friend. And, and he, it's called, If You Want to Walk on Water, you, you Got to Get Out of Your Boat. And so some of these points I've actually grabbed from him. And I think it's always important when you teach, preach, whatever, that you give someone credit. So, so there's characteristics of people who, who walk in faith. First of all, they recognize God's presence. Now, in hindsight, you may be wondering, how, how in the world could these guys have failed to know... That it was Jesus walking toward them. I mean, think, who else could it be? But Matthew wants us to know that sometimes it takes eyes of faith to recognize when Jesus is around. And oftentimes in the middle of a storm, when we may be, you know, in a storm of life, tormented by a disappointment, tormented by maybe doubt, we're, we are no better at recognizing his, his, his presence than these disciples were. But, but Peter was different he was able to recognize that Jesus was present even in the most unlikely of places. You say, how was he able to recognize God's presence? Well, he knew, I mean, he, he, he had some history with Jesus. He, he knew what he was capable of. He, he had seen Jesus do miraculous things with his own eyes. He also knew that there was no one else that had this kind of authority and power. His faith was clearly in Jesus. Plus, and this is important, he knew, he knew Jesus' voice. So how do you know God's voice? Here's what you do. You spend time with him. You spend time in his word. You spend time praying. You spend time just years of walking with Jesus and you learn his voice. John 10, 27, Jesus says this. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they know I know them and they follow me. They follow me because they, 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 they know his voice. Then, here's another characteristic. They can discern between faith and foolishness. Now, there's an important request that Peter makes of Jesus. Here's what he says. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. In other words, Lord, before I get out of this boat and I start walking on water, I want to know if you think it's a good idea. I think that's important. Peter had already made up his mind he was gonna obey. He just wanted to make sure that Jesus was in it, that Jesus thought it was a good idea. Peter had faith, but his faith was in Jesus, not in his own ability, not in, his, in what he thought he could do even as a disciple. You think, how many of us, and I've done this before. I'm guilty as charged. How many of us jump into the water and then all of a sudden we go, hey God, come on in here with me. I'm out here swimming. I need you with me right now. Or how many of us don't, we don't check with God first before we take a big leap of faith. How do you discern between whether something's faith or foolish? Here's what you do. You can ask God for wisdom and discernment. I love this verse in James 1, 5. This is a great promise. He says, James says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. That's a great promise. You wake up tomorrow morning and go, Lord, I don't know what to do. God says, ask me. I'll give you wisdom. I'm generous. Another is we, we, you seek counsel from God. Psalm chapter 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The book of, the, God's book, God, God, the Bible, it, is, is, it guides our path. And then you seek godly counsel. You seek, you seek people that have been there where you want to go, that you look at and go, that's a godly person. You do everything possible to discern between what's faith and foolish. And then when Jesus says, come, you move in faith with eyes on him. But at the same time, and here's another characteristic, you expect problems. Now what happens to Peter once he gets out of the boat? The Bible says he saw the wind. Notice that the wind had not died down when Jesus asked Peter to get out of the boat. And so many people, what do we do? We wait for perfect conditions before we're willing to obey God's command to step out in faith. Or we're waiting for enough money. Or we're waiting for you know, things to be just right. Or just the timing to be right. And here's the fact. The timing may, may never, in your mind, ever be right. There may never be enough money to step out in faith, but when Jesus is in the storm with you, you don't need perfect conditions. All you need is to do, all you need to do is to keep your eyes on the one who controls the storm, who's calling you out of the boat. Because that's when the miraculous begins to take place. Listen, here's a problem promise from Jesus. He said, In this life, you're going to have troubles. That's a fact. If you take a step of faith, you can expect setbacks, you can expect opposition, you can expect uh, problems, you can expect criticism, people not to understand. It's a guarantee. If you get out of the boat, whatever that boat may be for you today, you're still going to face storms. You're still going to face strong winds. I mean, it's just part of the journey. It should never surprise us. Another characteristic of people who walk in faith is they accept fear. Is part of the equation. John Ortberg says the choice to follow Jesus, the choice to grow, is a choice for the, 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 for the constant reoccurrence of fear. If you want to grow as a Christ follower, it involves faith. If you want to see God do the miraculous, it involves faith. Faith takes you into new territories. It involves new challenges. It sometimes requires change. But you cannot grow spiritually without faith. And faith always requires us to take a step towards Jesus in spite of our fears. Another characteristic is they see failure as an opportunity to grow. Now, we know from reading this story that after being on the water for just a short time, Peter. what happens? Peter begins to run into some trouble. I mean, at first, he's doing okay. He's out there walking. He takes a, a few steps towards Jesus. But eventually, he looks around. And he's like, it's still, it's still storming. It's still storming. And as he looks around, what happens? He takes his eyes off Jesus. And the Bible says he begins to sink. Now, here's a question we need to ask ourselves. Was Peter actually a failure at this moment? No. I don't think, don't think Peter was a failure. I think he had a moment of failure. But he was the one that had courage to get out of the boat. And just think for a moment of how much his faith increased just by taking a few steps as he got out there. I mean, he actually walked on water. See, the bigger failure in this story would have been to have missed the miracle, to have missed the opportunity to actually walk on water with Jesus. And honestly, I talk to so many people who tell me they need a miracle, but when it comes to taking a step of faith, they just can't do it. They just get stuck. They, they even know before, uh, before I even tell them what to do. They know what step they need to take, but way too often what happens? They pull back for whatever reason and they actually miss the potential miracle. And I think there's a lot of reasons why we're like that. There's, a, there's reasons why we're reluctant to to walk in faith, to step out in faith, and and to actually get out of our boat. And I wanna look at those. And I think the first one is just that our boat represents comfort and security. Now, I wanna make another point that I think oftentimes gets overlooked in the story. Listen, there were 11 guys that stayed in the boat. Now, why did they stay in the boat? Well, it was safe in the boat. The The boat meant security from the rough conditions. The boat provided comfort. I mean, why get out of this perfectly good boat in the midst of a storm? It was comfortable there. They they were scared to get out, even though Jesus was saying, come on. These guys, I want to say this, these guys were boat potatoes, all right? They, They weren't about to risk the comfort and security of the boat to do something that seemed crazy, even though Jesus was physically standing right in front of them. Now, how many people could put themselves in the category of boat potato for a moment? I know it sounds funny, but think about this for a moment. God has given all of us, all His children, spiritual gifts. But how many of those folks are actually using them? Well, statistically, about 20%. I mean, God has put, maybe He's put a dream in your heart, a mission to live out, a purpose to fulfill. But how many of us are that mission that God's created us for, that purpose that, that God has for our lives? You say, why not? Because it feels more comfortable and secure to stay in the boat, because the conditions, seems safer. And besides, it's lonely out there. I mean, it's lonely out there when it feels like you're the only one out there on the water. How many of you know what the best-selling chair in America is right now? It's a lazy boy, right? It's a lazy boy. Notice that that chair is not called the risky boy or the worker boy. That, That chair is called the lazy boy. Why? Because, I mean, we like to immerse ourselves in comfort, but yet I have this picture I have this picture in my mind of a middle-aged man who spends his nights sitting in a lazy boy recliner in front of a TV screen. He used to be full of great dreams and big plans and how he was going to make his mark in the world, but he's traded it all in for security and comfort. He sacrificed his dreams for a lazy boy and a TV screen. Author Greg Lavoie calls this kind of living the common cold of the soul, and he writes this. He says, to to sinful patterns of behavior that never get confronted and changed, abilities and gifts that never get cultivated and deployed until weeks become months and months turn into years. And one day, you're looking back on life, on a life of deep, intimate, gut-wrenching, honest conversations you never had, great, bold prayers you never prayed, exhilarating risks you never took, sacrificial gifts you never offered, lives you never touched, and you're sitting in a recliner with a shriveled soul and forgotten dreams, and you realize there was a world of desperate need and a great God calling you to be part of something bigger than yourself. You could see the person you could have become, but you did not. You never followed your calling. You never got out of the boat. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? Sobering. Another reason why we're reluctant, and I've already mentioned this, but I think it deserves a deeper look because it's a big issue. is just simply fear. We fear failure, we fear looking foolish to others, we fear embarrassment, we fear criticism. We think, what are all these people gonna think about what I'm about to do? How many moments, but think about how many moments are are we reluctant to trust God and take a step of bold faith? Because we're concerned about the opinions of others. One of my favorite quotes, and I and I'm just gonna be honest, I read this a few times a year, is from Theodore Roosevelt. And he says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how, strong, how, strong, how the strong stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The critic belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who at best knows in the end triumph of great achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that in his place will never be with those cold, timid souls who know neither victory or defeat. You know, when I think of that, I think of Moses. I think you think of a guy who risked and dared greatly in the Bible. Moses was asked by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And you think about all the reasons that he could could have said no to that. I mean, he had a red sea in front of him. I mean, how's that going to happen? How's he going to get through this giant ocean of water? I mean, he had there's a powerful army, the Egyptian army that that's chasing after him. He had a speech problem. He had a, a criminal record. He had actually killed another Egyptian. Pharaoh wanted him dead. He had, he had to go into hiding for 40 years. And when God called him to lead the children of Israel, he was actually 80 years old. He had every reason to be afraid, to say no to God. And yet Hebrews eleven twenty seven 27 tells us what happens. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. He was not afraid of the king. Moses kept right on going, and I love this, because he kept his eyes on the one who is what? invisible. Moses would have listened to his fears. If if he would have listened to his insecurities, if he would have listened to all of the reasons why he should not have been the leader, he would have missed out on one of the most amazing set of miracles known to mankind. He would have missed the parting of the Red Sea. He would have missed watching God provide for the Israelites with manna coming down from heaven. And he would have missed the experience of God giving him the actual tablets of stone, the actual 10 commandments but he kept on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on Jesus. It was not about the amount of faith that Moses had, but it was about his, who his faith was in. It was in the invisible. Fear is a faith killer. Fear is a faith killer. Another reason that we're so reluctant sometimes to step out on faith, to actually walk in faith, to trust Jesus, to live out what God's called us to live is, is just simply Doubt. And I think this is probably maybe the biggest reason why people are reluctant in their faith. We just simply doubt that God can do what he says he can do. How many people, how many look, we, we, we look in this book and we see miracle after miracle after miracle or, or people will hear stories of how God did miracles in other people's lives, but they don't actually believe that God has not only the ability or the desire to do that same thing in their lives. And so they don't get out of the boat. And as a result... They never get a chance to see what could have been. You know, 21 years ago, this month, Amy and I were, were working at a great church in a great city with a great bunch of students. I mean, several of our students are actually in this service right now. Paul and Angelo, Brittany Walters, she's in here, Todd Hampton. And God just eventually, he just, we were unsettled and, and God called us to get out of that boat and, and move here to plant this church. And I'm not going to lie to you. We were scared to death to a lot of people that we loved. I mean, it didn't make any sense at all. Our our situation was comfortable. It was secure. But we didn't want that anymore. We had this thought. We had this saying that just drove us. We talked about this all the time. We just said we wanted to be part of something in our lifetime that was so big and so miraculous that, that we would be just foolish to ever take credit for it. And so without having any clue what was going to happen next. God just called us out of our boat, and he said, come, and we did, and we put our eyes on Jesus, and we took one step of faith. And as I said earlier, the storm doesn't necessarily stop when you get out of the boat. There's still a lot of fear. There was a lot of criticism. There's still a lot of insecurities, many moments of doubt. But had we listened to any of those inner and outside voices, we would have missed out on the miracle of this church. We would have missed out on all seeing all the life change. We would have missed out on watching Jesus put marriages back together, pulling students out of bad, sinful situations. We would have missed out on the rush camps and the surge camps. We would have missed out on all the new church plants that God has allowed us to be part of. We've been missed out on watching so many of our young adults and students go into full-time ministry. So many are serving in the mission field or are serving as pastors today. We would have missed out on, on this amazing journeys we've been in in places like Burkina Faso, Africa, and Cuba, and Nicaragua, and, and Guatemala, and places like where we've been in the past, like Jamaica. We would have missed out on hope for Christmas and community makeover and and just so many other wonderful things. But more than anything, had Amy and I listened to all of our doubts and fears, and there were so many, and all of our critics and the 10 million reasons why this was a bad idea, we would have missed out on you. Because you guys, honestly, you're the greatest miracles in this whole story for us. And so many of you are going to miss out on what God has for you. Because your doubts, you're giving into your doubts. You're giving into your fears. You're giving into all the reasons why you should stay in the boat and yet God, Jesus is out in the water and he's saying, come on, let's go. These are not just stories of what I could do. These are stories of what I can do and I'm able to do and I'm willing to do infinitely more than you could ever ask or dream. So why should we walk in faith and get out of our boat? Because faith leads to spiritual growth. Every time any of us take a step of faith, we grow. Every time our our faith is tested, we have an opportunity to grow. We become stronger and stronger in the Lord. I love, John Ortberg says, he says, never try to have more faith. Just get to know God better. And because God is faithful, the better you know him, the more you'll trust him. That's it. It's not about how much faith you have. It's about who your faith is in. Faith will always lead you to spiritual growth. Also, faith will lead you to spiritual rewards. Hebrews chapter 11, 6, the writer of Hebrews says, so you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You say, how does God reward us? Do I get a bigger car, a better car out there? Do I get another house? What does that look like? No, God does better. He gives us peace in the midst of troubles. He give us, gives us confidence when our lives are shaken. He gives us endurance when we feel weak. He, 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 he gives us the power to keep going when we're, when we're about to quit on something important, to walk out on, on something that could have big impact. No, no, he, he gives us assurance of salvation and a future in heaven. And sometimes we get to be part of the miraculous. Sometimes we get to, to see things and experience things that can only be explained by the supernatural. But here's the, here's the biggest reason why we today need to walk in faith. And for some of you, you need to get out of your boat. Whatever that boat may be. It's because Jesus is there. He's, the, he's there. Imagine Peter getting out of this boat for just a moment. I don't think Peter jumped out of the boat. As impetuous and as crazy as Peter was. You know, he's the guy that took the sword and chopped off the soldier's ear. That's... I think this was a little bit more traumatic. I mean, honestly, I mean, he's never walked on water before. Who has, right? I think he probably just took one foot, put it over the side, probably turned around, grabbed the side of the boat, knuckles white, took the other foot, put it out there, and just turned around slowly. And he finally let go. And he put his eyes on Jesus. You say, how could he do that? Because he knew Jesus was out there with him. What did he have to lose? Honestly, you think, he had seen Jesus in action. He knew what he was capable of and his faith was not rooted in himself. Even though he was a disciple, even though he had been part of doing some cool miracles himself, he clearly had his eyes on Jesus. And when he began to sink, what did Jesus do? And this is so important because you're wondering, if I step out there, what's Jesus? How's he gonna respond if I fail for just a moment? No, no. Jesus reached out and in grace and in love, just grabbed his arm, pulled him in, and the two of them got into the boat together. And the Bible says the wind ceased at that moment. What an opportunity. What an adventure. What, what a story to tell. He's the only guy that's ever lived that could look back and tell his, his grandkids guess what? I walked on water with Jesus. It was pretty cool. How did it all begin? He just took a simple step of faith. He decided to trust Jesus and go for a walk. And as a result, he became the first person fully human in history to walk on water. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of your boat. How many of you are willing to pray this morning? Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I want you to bow your head for a moment. I don't know what your boat is today. Maybe a sinful habit, and maybe you're stuck in a young adult, single adults, or students. You're stuck. You're 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 stuck in a really bad relationship. Maybe it's a maybe it's a job that you just are so tired of being in, or it's just so comfortable for you, and yet God's calling you out. Maybe it's. Answering a call to ministry. And you're scared to death of that. Answering a call to just go on a short-term missions trip or to to work with students or to work with children or just to start using your spiritual gift. I, I don't know what boat you're stuck in. But I have a feeling for a lot of you today, Jesus is saying, come on out here. And I want to encourage you. To say back, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And if it is God, and he says, come, I want you to take a step of faith and trust him. Don't be like that middle-aged man that I read about a moment ago who's just stuck in his easy chair of life. Missing out on the purpose and the dream and the mission that God had called him for. You may be here and you're that man. Listen, trust Jesus. It's not about the amount of faith that you have. It's about who your faith is in. For some of you ladies here today, maybe when you were coming out of college or early on and before you had kids, you just had this dream, you had this passion, this purpose for what you wanted to do with your life. And all of a sudden kids came along and and here you are. Listen, it's not too late to step out. And to fulfill your purpose, to fulfill your dream. Kids involved, husband involved, the whole deal. Some of you single adults in here. I know for some of you, you're in college and you're like, this isn't turning out how I thought. Or you're out of college and you're like, I don't know what to do now. Maybe in a career, and maybe it's not what you thought you'd be doing and you feel stuck. You're in a boat, you don't know how to get out of it. And yet you know the next step to take you trust Jesus is in that water and you walk out and you grab hold of his arm and you follow where he's leading you. Don't miss out on the miraculous. Don't miss out on what God may want to do in your life. For some of you, the boat you're in today is lost at sea, aimlessly wandering, hopeless without Jesus. And Jesus is calling you out of that boat to receive salvation, to receive new life, You say, how do I do that? Jesus says, come. And you just need to reach out by faith and receive what he's offering to you today, which is salvation, it's forgiveness, it's new life. He provided all of that for you. He accomplished it on the cross so that you could have the faith to step out of the boat today. And your faith is not, it's not your, it's it's who your faith is in. Your faith is in Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross. And so today, if you've never received salvation in your life, you are hopelessly wandering adrift on the sea in a boat that's leading you nowhere, leading you into destruction. I want you to, at this very moment, pray with me as God says, come out of that boat. Just say, Lord, at this moment, I reach my hand out to you and I receive a rescue. I receive salvation. What Jesus did for me on the cross was enough. Thank you. And I get out of this boat that I'm in, I'm being lost, adrift at sea, without Christ, without God, and I receive salvation. The greatest miracle of all. And I ask you to save me. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me for denying you, taking so long to come to this place. Forgive me for my unbelief. Today I believe. You just prayed that with me. I want you to let someone know you did this. Get out your Get Connected card. Fill it out. Let us know you did it. Take it to the help center. Bring it up here to the front. Turn to the person next to you that may have invited you to church or is a friend of yours or somebody you don't know and say, I just prayed that prayer. What do I do next? For some of you, we're going to stand in just a moment and sing. If you need to come and pray, God's calling you out. Step in faith. But you just need to pray. You need to hear God's voice and come and get on your knees at this the steps. We're going to sing a song we sang last week. I love this song. It goes so well with this series and so well with this message today, God of miracles. And I want us to stand and worship and whatever God is laying on your heart to do at this moment, you do that. Help us to move Lord. When you call us out of the boat, even though we're scared to death, even though the doubts are there, even though the storms are raging, you're the God of miracles. Help us to get out of our boat, to walk in faith, to keep our eyes on Jesus. And the Lord to see you do the miraculous in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.